podcast the only unofficial podcast covering that of the longest running speedway club in the world in the 13-time league champions the bellevue aces so we left it on a not so much a cliffhanger but the last time i recorded this podcast bellevue had pretty much pounded the walls into submission at home which for the aces in recent times against wolverhampton is something of a rarity um but if we take a slight backwards look and over the meetings that took place in the month of july and was the wettest july since records began you know because of global warming and all that and it saw the Aces finishing with a 3-2 and two record, if we're to use the American sports gauge of things. So, as I say, the last time I recorded, it was Bellevue against the Wolves. And saw us taking a quite a hefty win down to Monmore Green. So, would Bellevue be able, in potentially their last ever time racing at Monmore Green, could they pick up the bonus point? But more importantly, would they be able to finally get a win over the Wolves? No, in uh, in one way to put it. Um, but we did collect the bonus point, which I think in all honesty was never really in doubt. Um, but as I say, this could potentially be the final time that the Aces ride at the famous Monmore Green circuit. Obviously, with the stadium owners being completely clueless, because uh, they want to get more... They think Greyhound Racing will bring more exposure um, to Monmore Green, and they may possibly make more money from from the races but for attendances and everything that goes about it with Monmore and Wolves it's arguably one of the most historic clubs so to decide to push Speedway out the door at Monmore really is a completely brain dead move um, but as it seems to be going on the the likelihood of wolves being saved fingers crossed i hope it's wrong um, but it does feel like this is pretty much the the last season we will unfortunately see the wolverhampton wolves um unless a miracle can occur but then we've had 
instances of late of Kings Lynn um, being in a bit of a mess themselves. Um, that's for other podcasts to really dissect. And then not too long ago, the news of the Leicester ownership putting the club up for sale. So moving forwards with the sport is... Um, it's not in the the best of places currently, I think it would be fair to say, which could be a podcast for another day. But for now, we will take a look back at the Aces action in July. And on the track, saw Bellevue, as I say, heading to Wolverhampton with a hefty lead to take down there. And the host took a 5-1 in the reserves race. That was through Zach Cook and Leon Flint. Though for half the race, it was looking like a shared race. As it was a free-free. That was before Flint passed both the aces to get second. And saw the Wolves taking the lead. Elitian Wright then struck back with a 4-2 in heat number three. But Steve Worrell and Sam Masters picked up a 4-2 of their own a couple races later as the Wolves led 20-16 after six races gone. Bellevue then picked up maximum points in three out of the following four races as they went on to lead a 33-27. But then Heat 11 kind of saw the wheels come off for Bellevue which historically in recent years is not really much of a shock um, as it saw Dambuli leading both Schlein and Cook but they both came into first and second Dan chased hard saw him hitting a wet patch which but there has been talk of him hitting the curb as well from a couple of people that were there uh, which led to him flying off the bike and also resulted in him taking Zach Cook off as both tumbled into the fence with Dan sustaining a a bit of a back injury Um, but it saw a 5-1 against them anyhow to have the scoreline going to 34-32 and despite a 4-2 from Brennan and Lidsey, the hosts just really kind of like kicked it up a notch towards the back end. As a 5-1 in Heat 13, with Dan Bewley withdrawing from the meeting. And then two 4-2s in Heat 14 and 15 clinched a 47-43 win for Wolverhampton. And saw the aces going down... But taking the bonus point more importantly, with the overall score being 100 to 80. Looking at the scoring charts, Dan Bewley finished on 5, Norik Bludon finished with 4 and 1, Jamin Lidsey finished with 10, Charles Wright scored 5 and 2. Brady Kurtz put in a captain's performance, scoring a 10 and 1. Tom Brennan finished with 9. And Connor Bailey, who is now 
going to see out the season, as it seems now, as the Aces rising star, he finished with nil point. Uh, for Wolverhampton, pretty much the entire side seemed to chip in for him, as you had Sam Masters finishing with 10, Steve Worrell on 8 and 1, Ryan Douglas with 8, Rory Schlein 8 and 2, Zach Cook 6 and 1, and Leon Flint scoring 7 and 1. Meanwhile, for the rider replacement of Luke Becker, they only managed to score 1 plus 1. Um, so, effectively, rider replacement did not really, in hindsight, help Wolverhampton. But, you know, the team rode extremely well, as they always do at home, and pretty much proved to be the difference. Bellevue would then travel a few days later down to Foxhall Heath to take on the Ipswich Witches for the final time, at least away from home, in the regular season, and saw a thrilling meeting which saw the Aces lead early on, thanks to a 4-2 from Tom Brennan and Connor Bailey in the reserves race. Uh, that was until rain began to fall at Foxhall, just prior to heat six and saw a delay of 24 minutes while the track staff tried to get the track as raceable as they could. So when the racing did resume it saw five ones being traded as the witches took maximums in heats six and eight. Firstly through Emil Seyfudnoff and Keenan Rue and then Rue was involved again as he teamed up with Dan Thompson to see the Witches taking a 27 to a 21 lead. Bellevue then hit, then hit back, I should say, with a couple of maximums going their way as they took maximum points in heats 9 and 12 with Brady Kurtz and Tom Brennan cutting the deficit to two points, while Brennan himself was involved, as he and Jamin Lidsey took a 5-1 in Heat 12, to see the Aces leading 37-35. The momentum pretty much swung back and forth throughout this meeting, as Heat 13 saw Ipswich's duo, I should say, of Jason Doyle and Amil Seyfudinov hitting a 5-1 over Bewley and Kurtz, as that put the Witches 40-38 to ahead. But Wright and Brennan responded with a 5-1 to see the Aces going into the final race, leading 43-41. to So, heading into Heat 15... It saw Bellevue knowing that a 3-3 would be good enough to seal victory. But with the, as I say, the twosome of Doyle and Seyfudinov, a 5-1 would win it outright, and a 4-2 would have forced a superheat. And thankfully, Captain Brady Kurtz was the hero of the hour, as he took the race win, 
shoving Doyle a bit out towards the fence. And sorry, 3-3 to give the Aces a 46-44 victory. Looking at the score chart, Dan Bewley with another low score of 4. Uh, probably more than likely struggling with his back that he sustained against Wolves. Uh, Norwich Blue Dawn finished on 6-2. and two. Jamie Lidsey on 6-3. and three. Charles Wright, 8-1. and one. Brady Kurtz scored 9. Tom Brennan, proving the trump card at reserve, scored 11-2. While Connor Bailey scored his first points for the Aces, scoring a 2-1. and one. For the home side, and it saw that final race denying Jason Doyle a maximum as he finished on 14 points. Seyfudinov finished on 12-2. and two. And I think this kind of illustrated Ipswich this year in the fact that they... I think even the fans have said the same thing of they are very much a two-man team this year. Uh, not many... I mean, they've got some good riders in the side, but they just haven't clicked. Um, I mean, you've got Riss, who's struggled. He's been out pretty much most of the season, effectively, with this bizarre infection that he's had. Um, so he's kind of getting back to things. Uh, Danny King hasn't really caught fire this year. Uh, Keenan Rue has shown signs, but that's pretty much been it, really, for, for Ipswich. So, heading a few days after that to the Monday night, and saw the return fixture, and saw Ipswich being stubborn, as they normally are, and saw Heat 4 having Kurtz and Bailey taking full advantage of Jason Doyle's bike problems as that saw the Aces breaking the deadlock with a 13-2-11 lead but a 4-2 from Rue and Seyfudinov in the following race saw the scores drawn level Blue Dawn and Bewley then picked up a 4-2 in heat number 6 to put the Aces back in front at 19-17 while Heat 9 saw Jamin Lidsey coming under Jason Doyle to lead, but once he got past him, immediately suffered bite problems and saw the Aces go from a 4-2 to a 4-2 against and have the Witches tying things up at 27-all. But the meeting then changed and swung the way of the home side in Heats 10 and 12, are two five ones thanks to Dambuli and Norick. Then Litty and Brennan took the score to forty to thirty two. Heat thirteen saw the first part of the drama all meeting as Jason Doyle clicked Dambuli heading on to turn two or between turns one and two I should say and sent the Aces man hitting the deck and rolling into the fence, with the Australian being excluded from the race, 
and having saved Fudinoff, saving the witches in the race, as he took the rerun for a free free. Heat 14 saw stand-in captain Chris Louie putting in Sai Fudinoff again as a tactical substitute, but an extremely hard move from Charles Wright saw him moving the Russian right out to the fence, and in truth, if he had fallen down or had opted to put the bike down, I don't think Wright would have really had much to say um, in defence-wise. Um, but obviously Emil decided to stay on his bike and saw the Aces taking a 5-1, which proved crucial as they ended up taking the bonus point with one race to go. Ipswich, though, ended the meeting on the high note as Emil Seyfrudinov and Danny King picked up a 5-1 to see the Witches bringing it within 8 points as Bellevue finished up 49-41 to 41 winners and taking another crucial bonus point en route to solidifying their lead at the top of the standings. Looking at the scoring charts, and Dan Bewley finished on 9-1, Norrit Blue Dawn finished on 8-1, Jamie Lidsey finished with 5, Charles Wright scored 8, Bray Kurtz 8-1, Tom Brown 10-4, while Connor Bailey finished on 1. Pardon for the witches, safe enough. Finished on thirteen and one. Uh, Danny King scored a ten, with Doyle having a, a poor meeting by his high standards, as he scored just five points in the meeting. But he did seem to suffer a lot with bike problems, and the bike really just not kind of getting much speed from him all day. So, the Aces' final meeting of the month took them to Sheffield and saw the Aces losing 50-40. It wasn't the, the best from what I've seen from people that went. Um, but looking at the, I suppose, main points... Um, the first three races saw the sides trading five ones, with the Aces earning two of them to lead 11-7. Heat 8 saw Josh Pickering and Dan Jilks taking a 4-2 for the Tigers, with Jack Holder and Kyle Howarth repeating the feat in heat number 10 to level the scores at 30-all. But then, the final three races saw the Aces completely fall apart. Uh, as the Tigers outscored their visitors 14-4. to As the informed Tobias Musiak and Jack Holder scored a 5-1 on the Aces pair. Of which Dan and Brady had scored 7 all night to that point compared to the Tigers duo, who had scored 17 
So I think it was pretty obvious where this was going to be heading. So Heat 14 saw Howarth and Pickering winning the match with a second 5-1. And Heat 15 saw the Tigers taking a 4-2 through Musiak and Holder with Kurtz splitting the pairing up and limiting the damage, so to speak, in what was a disappointing uh, disappointing performance in general even, as the likes of Dan, Brady and Charles, kind of your, your big hitters really, just not really turning up effectively. Um, looking at the scorers, Dan Bewley, again with another really poor score with three and two. Norrick Bloodorn scoring seven. Jamin Lidsey top scoring with ten. Charles Wright three and one. Kurtz seven and one, which I suppose isn't. It's probably the the lesser end. He could probably. How can I explain? It's still poor by Brady's standards, but it's not as bad, I suppose, compared to, say, Charles and Dan's. Uh, Brennan scored 6-3, and three, and Connor scored his best score in an Aces bib, or race suit as it is nowadays, as he finished with 4-2. and two. Uh, the return fixture is this Monday night, unless rain happens again, where it will see a team change for the Tigers, with Ty Woffington coming in to make his return to British Speedway, as he signed an injury replacement deal with the injured Jack Holder missing out, and makes Sheffield arguably stronger, shall we say, um, to which Tide does ride Bellevue very well. Um, Holder has improved at Bellevue, I think it's fair to say. Uh, hasn't always had his best meetings there, but with them holding a, a 10 point lead, um, I think it could be a very difficult score to kind of turn round personally. Um, but Bellevue have been in this position before um, and they've managed to overturn it but the the Tigers, much like the Wolves do seem to have their their number on, on the Aces patch um, to which I think the, the Tigers might be unbeaten the last two, possibly um, oh sorry, no they won the, the last one but they did quite well last year um, so what happens tomorrow will be in interesting if the Aces can take three points from tomorrow it will be a massive boost I feel for, for Bellevue moving forwards not that they're, they're riding bad now but um, if they can take three points away from a possible title rival um, it could increase our hopes of finishing top which is what I'm thinking but if Sheffield could take a bonus point they will 
they'd more than likely be happy to take that, but I get the feeling they will feel they can do more than just take the bonus point. So we'll have to watch this space. But looking at the league standings, and you have Bellevue leading the way on 35 points from 20 matches. Wolves and Leicester are second and third on 27, with Wolves having ridden, I think it's one less. Um, so just let me get the league tables up. So looking with the things now, Wolves have ridden 16 matches, 27 points. Leicester 15 points, oh, sorry, Leicester 27 points from 15. And then fourth place sees the Sheffield Tigers with 22, with the least meetings ridden with 14. Um, we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, Ipswich have 22 points from 19 meetings. You kind of feel unless something dramatically happens with Sheffield and Leicester, um, that they're pretty much done, you feel. It's probably going to be these four teams that will be in the playoffs. Um, meanwhile, at the bottom, uh, Kings Lane are on seven points from 17, and the Peterborough Panthers, who have had the worst season, or the worst couple of seasons in fairness, um, they're on five points, and I think just trying to, I think for them, if they can sort out what's going on with them, um, if there is a next season, which I believe they have been told they they are running, um, but I think it might be a case of trying to plan for next year now for them. Hopefully they are at tapes next season, but um, it's it's a it's a problem with the league. With I mean, looking at it, you've three teams, possibly four teams, in a lot of trouble. Um, Peterborough, Kings Lynn, Wolves, the main worries of the league. Um, so if you go from seven, and you lose three teams, you're down to a four-team league. Um, but I think for the case of Kings Lynn I think they will get sorted a Leicester I feel will be sorted as well um, Wolves it, it ain't looking good for them um, but it's it's just the the problem with British Speedway in general uh it's not the most, it's not the best run product in the UK. Uh, ice hockey is another one that I could bring that up, to which both of them seem to be playing a game of hold my beer. Um, I mean, if you know what's going on with British ice hockey, then you'll you'll understand what I mean. Um, but in the in terms at the top, the next few. The next month's going to be very interesting um, in the sense that looking at Wolverhampton's fixtures, um, 
they face the, the Leicester Lions home and away in the next couple of times. Uh, but they also have to face them again at the back end of the season. Um, but also, Wolves face the Sheffield Tigers three more times, with two of them coming away from home. So, points will be taken from each other. Um, so, it's really, I think, if Bellevue can carry on as they are, to which I don't think they have really that, I've, yeah, it's like three meetings left after tomorrow. Um, if they can take maximum points against both King in the two Kings Lynn matches, um, that you feel that will set them up for solidifying first place in the in the standings and seed for the playoffs. Um, Leicester have made the decision today to cut Troy Batchelor and Chris Harris and bring in Craig Cook and Richie Worrell. Um, it's a strange old <laughs> season, uh, but it's going to be an interesting back end to one. Um, to which Worrell is almost like the king of Leicester. He does ride that track very, very well. Um, Cookie can... He he has become a bit of an, an enigma, so to speak. Because um, he can have the greatest meeting one week and then be completely the opposite the following week. Um, but it's going to be interesting how that works for Leicester. Um, I'm... I'm really interested to see how they fare the next couple of weeks with, with those changes. Because uh, it might not be... It may not be the best move. But we will we will see what happens. But to end this podcast, we will have a little rewind at what happened a couple of weeks ago. As it saw Great Britain... Heading to Poland for the recent Speedway World Cup, the returning format, which has not been in place since 2017, and despite winning Event 1 on, I think it was the Monday, against Sweden, the Czech Republic and Germany, it's our Great Britain making it not just to a grand final but saw them narrowly missing out to host Poland in the final race, as with Denmark losing a rider in the in heat 25, I think it was. Uh, it's sorry, free riders only. I was nearly, I was going to say Bellevue then. Uh, Britain were trailing by a point, so they knew that if they could win the race and had Max Frick holding Mike Janowski back, then they would have been champions. But of course, Frick made the gate, Lambert was second, Janowski was in third, but then the pole was the hero for the Holden side, as he managed to get by Lambert and saw Poland crowned world champions for the ninth time in this event, and moving just two behind Denmark, who are the 
Well, saying that, I think Denmark have won it a couple of once or twice on uh, on that kind of thing now, because they had won it eleven times. Uh, so I'm just do, 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 do. oh no, they've still got a bit to go yet, uh, but they are creeping in, as I say, on Denmark's um, amount of times they've won it. Oh, which would be which would be 15 times so that they're, they're not too far behind um, but yes that is your your podcast for for this week or month depending when I choose to do it again uh, it may be monthly if I'm honest unless anything dramatic occurs um, but thank you for taking the time out to listen to these god awful podcast because I know it is um, we will hopefully try and do a cult look back very very soon uh, but for now at least enjoy your speedway and up the aces